Good afternoon, MedVet listeners. This is Marcus here today at the Camera Social Studio right off the Dallas Tollway. Today we have Dr. Karen Melanoski and Ellen Rankins joining us from Rutgers University to talk to us about a research study they are conducting in New Brunswick, New Jersey for veterans with PTSD. Stay tuned, listen, and if you're interested in contacting them, they can be reached at 848-932-3761. Again, that's 848-932-3761. If you're living out in the New Jersey area and you're a veteran interested in participating in the program, please feel free to contact them as soon as possible. Thank you. Stay tuned. The force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. Welcome to the MedVets. You know, good afternoon, MedVet listeners. We are here today with Dr. Malinowski. Did I say that correct? And That's perfect. And Ellen, we got some exciting things happening and I'm excited to talk to the MedVet listeners today and I want you guys to really let them know what's going on. We got some exciting opportunities for veterans in the research field. Um, I wish I wish that I could participate because you know, as, as the days <laughs> going on, I'm thinking like I'm the perfect candidate, right? I, I, I've been to Iraq, I've been to Afghanistan. It's just like, so let's let's get to it, right? So can you tell us a little bit more about the research and a little bit more about yourselves as well? We'll start with you, doctor. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Marcus and Keith. Um, my name is Karen Milanowski. I'm the founding director of the Rutgers Equine Science Center. But interestingly, I've been, I came to Rutgers in 1971 as a first year student and it's now 2021 and I'm still there. So I came in have three degrees from the wonderful institution, Marcus, and have never left. They couldn't get rid of me. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the Equine Science Center, guys, is just a fabulous place to do. We do research. We do outreach. We teach undergraduate and graduate students like Ellen Rankins, um, who's going to talk about her project. But um, we're very excited to uh, have the opportunity, Marcus and Keith, to be able to reach out to veterans. Uh, what we're finding in this study, uh, where Ellen's looking at co-regulation in the horse, uh, the human-animal interaction in the context of equine-assisted activities. And oh, she's yeah. going to give you a lot of details about the project, but um, this is going to be a first of its kind. Um, you know, we did some pilot work looking at the impact of horses on PTSD in veterans three years ago and had some promising results, but we were not able to take measurements simultaneously in the veterans that we were taking in the horses, i.e. blood samples um, and other things. We were not able to do that, that in the pilot study. But this study, we are proposing to do all of those physiological measurements in real time, simultaneously with both the veterans as well as the horses. And so this will provide us information to say, which we need to present to the medical community and the insurance communities who have a pass right now because they do not reimburse 
for these types of interventions because the scientific data is not there to show that it works. And so this is a huge study that Ellen and I are finding. We had no problem funding, guys, the entire project. It will cost the veterans nothing but their time. Everything is paid for. I just never realized that it would be so easy to raise money, especially during COVID, you know, during these terrible times. But we're having trouble getting our veterans and our local communities to sign up for this research project. And so we appreciate it, guys, um, you giving us this platform. And we really have been everywhere. Um, thanks, Marcus, for sending us Ted Pathis's info and also your colleague at NYU. So we'll reach out to those folks as well. Um, but what we're finding is that while our flyers and our information is going everywhere, and people are blasting that info out on social media. It's these one-on-one -on -one kinds of interactions where the veterans can see how passionate we are about the project and the fact that we need them to help us in this effort. We kicked off this whole initiative last November on Veterans Day. Oh, wow. Okay. So, you know, that's when our fundraising efforts started. You know, we use Veterans Day. Um, we had a um, press release with quotes from one of our assemblymen, Ronnie Dancer, who also is a horseman, but realizes how important horses and humans are together. Um, and he's also serves in the New Jersey State Legislature on the Veterans Committee. So um, we kicked it off on Veterans Day, you know, last November. <laughs> it was a long time ago, but, you know, it's, it, it's again, the money poured in. We just need our veterans to pour in. <laughs> so I'm going to turn it over to Ellen and ask Ellen to give a, a nice overview about this is her PhD dissertation. Um, we um, brought and recruited Ellen from her master's work at the University of Florida um, to join us here in New Jersey specifically for this project. She'll give you a little bit about her background, which is way far from New Jersey. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Ms. Rankin. Absolutely. All right, Ellen. So from Florida to, to New Jersey. Yes. Well, it was even more of a journey than that. So I'm originally from Alabama. I did my undergraduate at Auburn University before going to Florida and then coming to the north. <laughs> so a bit of a transition for me, but I'm happy to be here. Very excited about this research. Um, and so I really came at this research, was interested in this field because I have experience as a therapeutic writing instructor, um, not with the veterans community. I came at this from primarily working with youth um, with a variety of different disabilities, but I'm really excited about, so yes, what we're going to look at in this research is this concept of co-regulation. So what's happening in that interaction between the horse and the human? Um, and so if we find positive results in this study, then it has much broader applications of uh, then this is probably what underlies all of these interactions, no matter what population of individuals we are working with. Um, so I'm really excited about being able to take it then out to a broader audience also. But some nitty gritty details about the project itself. We want to hear it all. Okay, I'll give it all. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> 
So like I said, um, broad picture, really looking at this idea of co-regulation and co-regulation, um, we can see this in action. If you guys ever people watch, which I do all the time, well, pre-COVID, now you can't sit and people watch anymore. Um, but if you see people walking down the street together, they're often in step with one another. Okay, so we have this tendency, biological bodies have this tendency to want to synchronize with other biological bodies around them. And so we think this is really what's happening between that horse and the human. So maybe if the horse's heart rate comes down, they're in a relaxed state, it's going to encourage that human's heart rate to come down and bring them into this more relaxed state. Um, so that's kind of the basis of what we're doing here. And so to actually make this happen, um, we are looking for 30 veterans with PTSD um, who will actually take part in these interactions with the horses. So they have to come to the Rutgers New Brunswick campus um, at the beginning of the project for baseline testing. And we just do some, we pull a blood sample, they interact with another person. So we're also recruiting um, non-veteran volunteers for this study for our veterans to interact with. Um, and that's where we take that baseline of what are your PTSD symptoms at that point in time. And then they get to come to Special Strides, which is actually where I'm sitting right now. Oh. <laughs> yes. And you will come for a 30-minute session once a week. And that's where they actually interact with the horses. And we take all these measurements. So we measure things like heart rate, uh, muscle activity. So we're going to look at muscle tension through the jaw and neck and shoulder areas. We're going to take blood samples during some of the sessions so we can look at hormone concentrations. Um, and so we take these during all of those sessions on both the horse and the human. So we can see in both cases what's happening during these actual sessions. Um, total time spent at the center will be a little bit longer than that 30 minutes because obviously we have to get all of this fancy equipment on you and then get it off of you at the end of your session. Mm -hmm. um, and then they come back, um, the veterans will come back to the Rutgers New Brunswick campus at the end of that eight weeks. Um, so those sessions span an eight-week period. And again, we take those same basic measurements that we took at the beginning. Um, so some of those basic physiological measures, measures of PTSD symptoms, and look at, did those change? because of this eight week intervention. Um, I should caveat this with um, our 30 veterans are randomly assigned to either the EAA intervention, so the equine assisted activities where you come and work with the horse or the waitlisted control group. Um, and so this will allow us, cause we'll take those same measurements pre and post in that waitlisted control group and be able to say, yes, it was actually going and working with the horses. It wasn't just the fact that eight weeks passed that we're seeing these changes. Um, and then of course we'll offer those individuals who are in that waitlisted control group, they'll get to come and work with the horses after that post-testing. Um, we're not gonna leave them out in the cold. <laughs> Ellen, would you give a little detail about um, the type of equipment that you've purchased and, 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 um, you know, and then also a little something about special strides and the people who will be involved and, you know, I sent Ellen a list of 13 undergraduates who are uh, volunteering to work with Ellen for the summer. So, I mean, there's a lot of, so it's benefiting students, it's benefiting Ellen, it's benefiting all of our undergraduates who are going to ha have the opportunity to participate in this type of work. This is what, what, what I'm proud about doing, you know, at Rutgers for all these 40 some years and uh, <laughs> 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 
But yeah, Ellen, talk a little bit about, you know, the type of equipment and, and the different things. And, um, and again, guys, everything has been paid for, including our use of the people and the horses at Special Strides. And then, and also, Ellen, when, when you're explaining with the equipment, I, what, mm -hmm. can you give a little detail about the, uh, the types of activities that the veterans will be doing with the horses? Yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, as far as the team we've assembled to conduct this research, um, we have Dr. Malinowski and myself, obviously, um, but then we're also partnering with the Graduate School of Applied and Professional Psychology at Rutgers University, because my training is not as a psychologist. I'm a horse person with my training Me and my too. background, <laughs> um, and so they're going to help us with that assessment piece of things, so assessing PTSD symptoms, all of those types of things, and that's why we have that partnership set up and really happy to have them on board. It'll primarily be graduate students um, that will be working with us. And again, as Dr. Malinowski alluded to, we have this great team of undergraduate researchers. So they get to really see their research experience, learn about what it takes to conduct a good scientific study um, and get this hands-on experience with us. And so we're really excited to have all of them on board. And then, of course, we are working with Special Strides, and they're located here in Monroe Township. Um, and so they are a therapy clinic and um, adaptive writing center. And so they offer um, programming to a variety of clients, and their um, staff is trained specifically to work with both the horses and the people to keep them both safe. And so we have an equine specialist in mental health and learning um, that will be conducting all of this, these sessions. Um, and so they really provide the horses, the staff, the experience, the expertise to make this happen. Mm -hmm. um, and so during those actual sessions, um, all of them are going to be groundwork. So we're not actually going to get you up on the horses. You get to keep both feet on the ground for the entire time. Um, and we'll, we'll have a progression of things. So in the first few weeks, you'll be learning how to work safely around the horses, how horses perceive their environment, how that uh, impacts how we interact with them, um, learning how to groom, lead them, do some of these basic activities, um, and then gradually um, increasing the difficulty level of what you're doing with them. So doing maybe some liberty work where the horse is actually loose um, and hopefully is still coming with you and doing what you're asking it to do <laughs> if you're having a good day, um, and some long lining where it's kind of similar to um, driving, but just no cart or sulky or buggy attached to the horse. Um, so kind of uh, gives you an overview of that. Well, so will each veteran be partnered with a particular horse or will it change throughout? Yeah, so we will, um, they will be given, assigned a specific horse and they will use the, work with that horse for the duration of the eight weeks. And so also very interested, I have some interest in looking at, so how does the, so how do some of these variables that we're measuring change over the eight weeks? So do we actually see kind of this bond or this attachment forming between the horse and the human? So I mean, that was a great question, Marcus. And again, we think that, um, the horse is gonna have a, have a positive influence on the veteran and that's going, that bond is going to increase over that eight week period. Um, so talk a little bit more about the, the equipment. What's, what would be attached to, to, the, to the veterans and the horses? 
Yeah, um, so some of the most exciting stuff that we're working with is this, we call it surface electromyography or SEMG. And so what we're doing is we're measuring muscle activity. So we're picking up on the electrical signals um, that trigger that muscular contraction um, and allow movement to happen. And so we have these electrodes, we place them on you um, and the horse. And then it's actually really cool because you can see the data in real time as it's being recorded um, as you're collecting it. And so it shows up on the computer screen as these really pretty graphs of this electrical activity that changes over time. Um, and so again, we're looking, so I did a pilot study um, looking on horses. So in humans, we know that under stressful circumstances, so you go in and take an exam, you have a really harrowing drive on the highway. <laughs> you feel this tension, right? Through your jaw, through your shoulders, through your neck. Um, most of us are taught to kind of relax, roll your shoulders, relax some of that tension away. And so we looked at do horses have that same reaction to stressful situations? And we found yes. So we're really excited about being able to then use this equipment to measure that during these sessions and look at that muscle activity. Well, what would be real, Ellen, what, what guys would be really cool. So say the veteran has never experienced an interaction with a horse before. Yeah. And um, he is tense. Can we see, you know, a horse who started this thing, who's just a couch potato and could care less. It's not showing a lot of muscle activity in those tension places like the jaw or the shoulder or the neck. If the veteran is apprehensive starting this, do we, and, and what you said, Ellen, this is in real time. So do you see tension in the veteran who's nervous about this intervention? And then does the horse pick this up and demonstrate the same type of, of stuff? This, this is cool stuff, guys. This is so, so exciting. It's never been done. It is. And, I, when, you know, initially when you first started talking about it, I think about it um, like when you're, when you're walking with, in the military, right? When you're walking in, in line, you have to be in sync. Mm -hmm. well, uh, or even when you're walking with your significant other, like it's, it just always feels good to just, I, I pay attention to those things, right? Are we both <laughs> right foot, left foot? When yep. does it get off a track? How does it get back on track? And it's just like, so I could, I could only imagine how that would play a role in, in this experiment or research experiment. Um, but it sounds extremely, extremely exciting. What does the role, let's say when you, when you draw the blood, what's happening in that instance? What so with so with our blood draws, so baseline and post-testing, it's just a one-time stick. Um, okay. Take that. And usually <laughs> most of the hormones <laughs> we're looking at aren't, aren't going to, we're not going to see a response that quickly. So if we're like sticking you and drawing blood immediately, we're not going to see that increase until a little bit after the stick. Um, so we're not worried about that. But during the sessions, we're going to take, um, and it's not all of the sessions, right? It's just the first, the fourth, and the eighth. So we're not going to be sticking you every single time you come down here. So it's not going to be like, oh no, I have to go there and yeah, get stuck again. Um, we're actually going to be have um, insert an indwelling catheter in your arm. Um, so same location we would normally do a blood stick, um, but that way we don't have to keep repeatedly sticking you. So it's in there, it stays in there for the whole time, and then we we need to take um, a blood sample 
we're just drawing it from the catheter so that you don't have to worry about that repeated um, sticking. And that is something um, we do in both the horses and the veterans. We will place it in um, prior to the session. So again, if you kind of experience some stress around that event, like, oh, this is kind of worrying. I'm not so sure about this. Um, it's not going to affect then the hormones that we're trying to measure actually during the session. So you have time to adjust and get used to this. Wow. So, so our, our blood, our DNA changes uh, during like levels of high, high stressful moments in life, low stress. Does it I didn't know that. So does it? So it's not the DNA that we're looking at. So we're actually looking at hormone concentrations. concentrations. And so the four that we're interested in is cortisol. So yes, that would be a hormone that we commonly associate with stress. So again, anything that you would find stressful, whether that's... Um, could even be a physical stressor. So if you go and exercise, for an example, your cortisol levels are going to increase in response to that because it's telling your body, hey, we need to do something here. We're in a state where I need more fuel to fuel whatever physical activity, mental stress, whatever it might be that you're under. Um, and so that's your body's response to that. And then also associated with stress um, or kind of this flight or fight reaction are epinephrine and norepinephrine. And so their cortisol um, as a steroid hormone um, is going to take a while for the body to release it into the bloodstream for it to take effect. And it stays around a little bit longer. Norepinephrine and epinephrine are protein-based hormones. And so they are released much more quickly. And so they can have some of these effects through the body um, in a much more rapid manner. So when your heart rate increases in a stressful situation or your hands get sweaty, those are usually effects of norepinephrine and epinephrine in the body. And then on the opposite side of that coin, we're going to be looking at the hormone oxytocin. And so that's what we associate. So like if you see a mother with her child or a full out nursing from its um, mother, that's oxytocin is usually released during those types of interactions. So these it's a really, love hormone, er yes, Ellen. It yes, is, guys. It the Valentine's Day hormone, the yep. love hormone. Um, and so again, so that's looking at the other side of things, more of a well-being, more positive, effective state that we're trying to pick up by measuring oxytocin, as opposed to a more stressful state that the other hormones we're measuring would indicate. Now for the, um, the veterans, are you looking at both genders? Um, so it is for all veterans. So this is a great question. Perfect timing also. So we're only enrolling males in this study and it's because of these hormones that we're measuring. So particularly oxytocin um, is affected by the menstrual cycle and estrogen levels in the female. And so if we try to include females, we just have too much variability as that fluctuates over time. And so in order to make this a really robust study, we're only going to be able to enroll males in the study. And it's unfortunate, Keith, that um, we have a lot of female veterans who are interested in the project, you know, and uh, but again, down the down the road, what we find here scientifically will apply to them going forward, that if we see that, oh, my gosh, this is a fabulous way to help veterans of both sexes um, when they come back from deployment, mm -hmm. you know, we'll have the data to show that. And again, not this variability of this, the menstrual cycle where we could never control 
you know, what stage, luteal phase, diesterous, estrus. I mean, we just we just wouldn't be able to control that. So um, it's unfortunate that we're just uh, bringing in uh, males into the project, but in good science, it's what we have to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the first of its kind, first time it's ever had been done. So yes, you're definitely limited in what you can do. So eight week program, veterans are coming in, they're interacting with horses, they get paid for the opportunity at the end. And how long would they be staying for each session? About roughly say about 45 minutes to an hour, would, would you say? Yep, yes. Get them hooked exact. up. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, and, and also Marcus and Keith, um, we are not taking the blood from the veterans. We have registered nurses who are going to be doing this. So okay. it's not, it's not we amateurs. We're going to be doing the horse blood draws, but we will have nurses who will be taking the blood from the veterans. Another question, would you prefer that they're vaccinated? Um, you know, the, the veterans who are coming in or does it matter? It doesn't matter. It would be great if they are, but it does not matter. So we have protocols in place that they have to do as we're all probably familiar with at this point, that you have to do your screening. Have you been exposed to anyone who's had COVID? Are you having any symptoms? All those types of things. We do do temperature screenings um, when they come in. And so, and of course we'll have social distancing, mask, all of these types of things in place um, as much as possible. Obviously some of these, you have to be relatively close to a person if you're putting equipment on them or these types of things. Um, But we are going to limit that. Actually, guys, our, our public relations specialist and I, Keith, um, Kyle Hartman, uh, spoke yesterday. We are looking at buying some new things like hand sanitizer and stuff for our promotional items, which we do. But he found, and he hasn't sent them to me yet, Ellen, some cool Rutgers Equine Science Center masks that are camo. Oh, wow. So I said, get them, Kyle. <laughs> Get them, you know, not just for this project, but it'll be great fun. So, you know, we'll have the the horse swoosh on one side, Rutgers on the other, and then the pattern will be camouflage. It'll be really great for this project. That is, that is. And now all the, and it would be cool if you only the veterans who participate get it first. Oh, yeah. You know it. It'll be the kickoff for this project. And so, you know, from, let me just say from my experience from a veteran, Right. What you guys are saying sounds like an amazing opportunity. One, I get to do something that has never been done before. Get to interact with horses, probably create a better environment for those brothers and sisters who are serving now to, for the research, for those that come home with PTSD of how we can possibly um, help them better. Um, so I, I would say that my only question would be is like, like not, not me personally, but I just think for, for those who have served is that maybe do you think that having PTSD is, 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 is a determining factor that a lot of veterans probably just don't want to disclose or, or they want to handle it on their own or they just, they just they don't want to be open about that and, and, and it could be problematic. So that's why they don't want to sign up. What, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? They, they, they should sign up, you know, because again, I look at it, PTSD is you can't manage it on your own. Well, so, well, I, I would say this, you know, when I was, when I was working at the Rutgers Veterans uh, House, th- there were quite a few veterans with PTSD and they, they didn't like to disclose it. 
it, it was more so a whole because they felt that if they had it, they weren't normal and they wanted to be normal and, and not normal in the sense that they have PTSD, but normal in the sense that, hey, I'm older, I'm in college and I have no clue what the hell I'm doing really, right? But then I want to fit in as much as I could. So for me to say, yeah, I have PTSD, I don't, it's not really enormity. I mean, at least from the, the veterans that I was working with. Um, and then when I found out, I, I, I'm, I didn't look at them any differently, but it's like, you know, maybe you would have treated them differently. You wouldn't have said certain things because you got to think you're in the military, right? So you want to, you want to, I want, I want trash talking. I want all this yeah. too, right? However, it can only go but so far for those who, with it. So what do you got? What are your thoughts on that? Ellen, do you want to take it? Or do you want me to say something? You can contribute and I can, <laughs> both of us. <laughs> no, great comments, Marcus. Great comments. Um, first of all, we want to say up front that we are under federal law, <laughs> NIH guidelines, et cetera. We have a confidentiality agreement that what the veterans who are recruited, the, um, the graduate students at Gazap will determine whether the veteran has PTSD or not. All of that information is confidential. We will not know, nothing will be disclosed and, um, you know, the veterans who sign up for this can be absolutely confident that their results will not be disclosed to anyone, anyone ever. I mean, Ellen has, you know, we, I asked Ellen for something the other day. She had to go into a locked cabinet to get out that information, you know, because it, it's it, the very, very strict guidelines, guys, through our institutional review board, the IRB. I think that's the big thing. Um, and right, it's a hard, right, mental health in general. I think this right. extends beyond just the veteran community, right? And with this being Mental Health Awareness Month, I think this is a time we do need to discuss this, that it's not a weakness to say, yes, I need to do something about this in order to live my life to the fullest. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. And I like, I love that because it, it is absolutely not a weakness, whether if, if you're listening to this, if you see it or you know someone who sees it as a weakness, it's, it's absolutely not. And I think what you guys are doing is excellent because you're, you're actively out there helping the community and the service members who are going through this experience. And I mean, I, I rode a horse at maybe a handful of times and I say, no, seriously, that bond is something else because when the horse actually listens to you, so I, I'm a, I would be excited for the horse just to walk and follow without, you know, being attached. Yes. When the horse listens to you, I mean, the horse is, it's a strong, genuine animal. Yes. Can and you imagine, Marcus, a 12, you being able to control a 1,200 pound animal? Yeah. I mean... It, it's, it feels great. Like I, I like sometimes when I go horseback riding and I can, you know, do a little something to make the horse. And I think he's listening to me and it just, it feels like a connection. So, but back to the PTSD, it's like, it's don't, you know, if you're listening to this, do not be afraid. If you do just, just get out there and do it. Cause you're doing it for yourself and you're doing it for the better of those other veterans out there. Yes. And there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Cause you're right. It goes beyond just PTSD and, and mental health issues. And I mean, I, we all do it. So, you, you know, Marcus, I, I'm glad that Ellen brought up Mental Health Month. Mm -hmm. um, one of the biggest supporters of this project 
and other mental health projects in New Jersey is um, Governor Cody, a former Governor Cody. Um, Governor Cody's wife came out uh, years ago with postpartum depression, and mm. she was a huge advocate after that of saying, you know, I, I felt that this showed I wasn't a strong person, that the fact that I had this. But she, with help, got over this and said, hey, this is a real disease. This is a problem. And mental health issues are not something to be ashamed about. And so both um, Governor Cody and his wife and son, who is on our board of directors, have been huge proponents of mental health issues in general and, of course, of this project. And it was because of Governor Cody's influence in the state legislature with two $95,000 allocations that has funded all of the equipment that Ellen needs for this project. So, you know, this this is a neat, you know, a family, a close-knit family. And I think the whole broad issue of mental health, whether it be autism, um, abused people, and veterans with PTSD, anybody with PTSD, it could be caused by anything. I agree. I agree. And <clears throat> one of the things that I'm thinking that another, another, something else that could be holding it back, it's just because maybe like, I know that New York and Jersey are just starting to open. So I hope that, I hope that now more people are, are aware of the opportunity and, and get out there to go make this difference and to go help with this research because it, it's, it's phenomenal. It really is. And I'm, I'm excited. So I will definitely make sure that, you know, I, I keep up to date and I check in <laughs> how it's going because I know it's going to go swell. You guys have to take eight weeks off and come to New Jersey. <laughs> I wish, hey. <laughs> I wish. Uh, Marcus, I'm sure the Veterans House will be glad to have you back. This right now is prime time to be up north. You know, any, any, any time from, I would say, from April to September, October. But any time after that, you know, I, gotta, I, I, I just can't stand the cold. <laughs> I hear you on that one. It's bone chilling. So I'm glad you guys are doing it at a great time, Susan, where the horses can enjoy the weather and the veterans can enjoy the weather as well. Because if it was winter time, now I'd say, yeah, that's why you're having a difficult time. But <laughs> no, you actually made a good point. It probably is because, you know, those states haven't really fully opened up. Mm -hmm. So that may be not many veterans, you know, signing up for it. But we're going to do our efforts. We want to make sure that, you know, they are aware of, of this program because I think it's good research. I'm thinking about it now. When Marcus mentioned about, you know, being on a horse, there is that connection. You know, can you, you kind of have that one, you know, um, with the horse. So I think it's a good program, good research, and we need this for PTSD members. Yeah, yes. So if you're if you're if you're listening to this podcast and, and you are not in Jersey, you know someone else in New Jersey, in New York, in Pennsylvania, close to the Rutgers Campus University in New Brunswick, New Jersey, please reach out to your fellow veterans, um, anyone that you know that served in the military in Iraq and Afghanistan, and let them know about this exciting program and opportunity. And you know, feel free to reach out to us directly, and then we'll get you um, in touch. But how do they get in touch with the both of you? Um, directly. Yeah. So those interested in signing up for the project, um, I can be reached by either phone or email. So that phone number is 848-932-3761. 
and I'll give both of, I'll give the phone number again here in a moment after I'll repeat both of these. And the email address is Rutgers. um, So R-U-T-G-E-R-S-E-A-A-T at N-J-A-E-S dot Rutgers dot E-D-U. So again, that phone number is 848-932-3761. And the email address is Rutgers, E-A-A-T at N-J-A-E-S dot Rutgers dot E-D-U. Excellent. Excellent. We love it. And we thank you guys so much for participating and spreading the information about this upcoming research. And best of luck to you. Well, thank you. And anything you can still continue to do, Marcus and Keith, to connect us with more people, we really appreciate it. You guys have been fabulous. And everybody has. You know, I, I just think Ellen and I are finding that being visible and being able to give some of the passion and the details about the project are much more effective than getting flyers and newsletter articles and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I mean, if I was signing up for something, I'd want to talk to the person who's running the experiment. I wouldn't just see something on a flyer and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to sign up for this. No, it doesn't work that way this podcast that allows those questions to be answered. And if they have more, they can just reach out and contact you directly. Absolutely. Absolutely.